ourselves to you today. We want to learn. We want to break through in our life. We want to break through in our circumstances. We want to break out of the limitations we've lived, up, lived under. Lord, today we open ourselves to your word may inspire and lift us into new dimensions in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open your Bible with me in Jude, only one chapter in Jude, verse 3. Jude, verse 3. And uh, I didn't know what was going to happen, all was going to happen this morning, but I felt God speak to me about uh, this message, how to overcome the spirit of unbelief. Just bring the volume down a little bit. It seems like it's rattling around a bit there. Um, how to overcome the spirit of unbelief. In Jude and verse 3, it says, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, here it is, to contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. Contend earnestly for the, the faith once delivered to the saints. And it says, for certain men have crept in unawares or unnoticed, and so on and so forth. Turn the grace of God into permissiveness. Now listen, I don't want to dwell too much on that verse. I want to pick this thought up. And here it is. We are to contend for the faith that was originally delivered to the church. Contend means to fight for something. Something that once was our legacy, once was the inheritance. When you look at the New Testament church, it was birthed in the supernatural. It was birthed out of a prayer meeting. It was birthed out of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the church literally changed the city and upheaved the whole nation. Over a period of time, it upheaved the whole Roman Empire because of the wave of miracles and the power and presence of God. Contend for that faith. Contend again for the supernatural. When we lose faith, we stop flowing in the supernatural. When we lose faith, we stop walking in the supernatural. When we lose faith, our ability to influence the nation, the community, the people around us is lost. We're just ordinary people plodding on, trying like everyone else. We need to walk in the spirit of faith. We need to walk believing God. Now, listen to this. Every person is dealt a measure of faith. Every person. Romans 12 verse 3, it says, God has given to every person a measure of faith. A measure means a portion. It can be a big portion, can be a small portion, but everyone has a portion of faith. Everyone can activate and choose to believe and grow and activate that faith, or we can let our faith become dormant, dead, and there's no activity in our life. Faith without an act working in our life is dead. So notice here it tells us God has given us a measure of faith, but He expects us to grow from faith to faith. In other words, if you're a Christian, been a Christian for some time, is your faith growing to another level, or are you static? Our theme this year is to grow. So one area you can grow is to grow your faith level. Faith in finances, faith in miracles, faith in healing, faith to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, faith for your marriage, faith for your children, faith to see breakthroughs in the people you love. Listen, we're not going to see any miracles without extending our faith. So let me ask you this. When did you last experience God working through you because you believed and stepped out like Rachel did as she shared in her testimony? She refused to accept the voice of circumstances and chose to believe and put an expectation on a supernatural God and in one week, seven amazing miracles. That is just stunning. But, it, it, the, but beneath it is someone chose to believe 
and extend their faith. I don't know whether you picked it up when she was talking about the job. She was believing God for a job. And when she, when she applied for the job, she came, it is my job. In other words, she didn't have a doubt in her heart. She went there believing that God would give her the job. And you know, faith is tangible. It affects people around you when there's a strong faith. So God wants us to be in faith. I don't know whether you realize this. Jesus went from faith to faith. If you look at the miracles in his resur of resurrection, let me just give you three examples of miracles of resurrection. The first one, I think it's found in Mark chapter 5, there is a young girl died, and Jesus went there, and uh, she was only dead a very short time. Think about it. And yet, he was able to raise her from there. Now, I want you to notice this. When he went into the room, it says everyone was scorning him when he said she's only dead, she's sleeping, not dead. And what happens, he drove them all out of the room because of the spirit of unbelief over their life would hinder the important miracle. In other words, Jesus was aware that a spirit of unbelief could block the power of God flowing, and he put out of the room everyone who was scorning, who had unbelief in their heart. He would not let them be around to see that miracle. He chose three people growing in faith to be with them to see the miracle. The next time you see him, there's a young man down the street. He's been carried in, uh, on a coffin by, his, uh, by a grieving mother and family. And he goes up and he just, now this one's not even done privately. This time, now the, young, the first one, the child was dead only a couple of hours. This one, the child's been dead longer than that, comes and he lay at least major part of a day because they bury them the same day, but it's at least several hours. And he just walks up, touches the boy and calls to him and he arises from the dead. Then... You see, in Lazarus' resurrection in John 11, you see that the body has been dead four days, meaning not only is he dead, now the body's in rapid state of decay. So this is a totally irreversible process, and he just stands and commands, and not only does the spirit of Lazarus come back into his body, the body is a creative miracle takes place, and he is raised from the dead and comes back to life. So you see Jesus moving in progressive levels of faith and miracles. See, sometimes we think he got it all at once, but like we have to do, he grew faith to faith to faith. Your faith grows as you ex exercise it and extend it. So I want to focus today on overcoming the spirit of unbelief. I want to help you understand it and why we need to address this in our life. In, uh, let's have a look in um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. Hebrews 4 and verse 2. And it's talking about the people of God in, uh, in walking through the uh, wilderness journeys. Hebrews 4 and verse 2. And I want you to read the verse, and let me explain what, what God is saying in this. He said in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, Now, since a promise remains of entering His rest. In other words, there are promises that God wants us to take hold of. Let us be concerned or fear lest any of you come short of it. So notice what his concern is. God has multitudes of promises for us, but I'm concerned that you might not appropriate those things. Notice what he says now. He gives an example of it, and he says, uh, he says for the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. That's Israel when they were in Egypt and in the wilderness. But the word they heard did not profit them had no value, had no outworking, had no 
advantage to them, did not cause them to prosper. In other words, they were the gospel was preached to them. What was preached? Well, this is what happened in the Old Testament. The people were in bondage in Egypt, and as a result of Moses' ministry to them, they sacrificed a lamb, and they were saved. They went out through the waters of the Red Sea. They were water baptized. They come under the cloud. They were in the presence of the Holy Spirit, but they had a journey through to the promised land, and two million people died. And it says, that's an example. An example is something you want to learn from. An example, imagine two people dying is recorded in the Bible so you and I can learn a lesson not to do what they did. Now, what does it say happened in there? It says, they entered not in because of unbelief. They did not enter in because of unbelief. And it says they were not joined to the word that was preached by faith. Therefore, there was no value to them. So all the way through the journey in the wilderness, Moses preached to them, declared the word of God to them, spoke to them, and yet they perished and never got what they were intended to get to. Why was that? Because inside they did not join their faith to the word of God so it brought about an empowerment to enter and experience God's reality. You can sit in church and hear messages on every kind of topic, but if in your heart you don't let your faith rise to join to the Word and mingle with the Word and hold on to the Word and then apply it to your life, it has no profit, no advantage, no moving forward in your life. If you want to grow from faith to faith, then when we hear the Word of God, which brings faith, we have to make a decision to join to that Word and apply it to our life. Whether it be finances, marriage, whatever area of life, it's a decision to make. It says they could not enter in because of unbelief. In the end of chapter 3, the last verse there, it said, so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. The word could means had no supernatural ability or power. Now notice what God did. God had in mind a promised land full of blessings, full of wonderful things for them to take. And yet, as they journeyed, he took them through a preparation of their faith process, and they failed every single test that came. And the result was, he said, I'm not going to let you go in. You haven't developed in your life what you need to develop in order to take hold of the things I have planned for you. And so all of them, except two people, perished in the wilderness. Who were the two people? They were Joshua and Caleb, who had a different spirit. They chose to believe God. They saw the same giants. They saw the same difficulties. They saw the same walled circumstances. They saw how difficult Jericho was. They saw the impossibilities that were there. But they said, if God is with us, we will prevail. If God is with us, no matter what the natural looks like, we will prevail. And people chose instead to listen to the discouraging report of the ten other spies, and a whole nation perished because of the spirit of unbelief. It is very infectious. So we want to understand then what unbelief is and what the spirit of unbelief is, and then I want to give you some simple keys that you can apply to break out. Now, as we read the Scriptures, 
I want you to look for the keys as we go. I'll give you a list of them at the end, but I want you to see as, you, as we look in the Scriptures, Scripture reveals it quite clearly, and you'll see there how the God opens up. It's not a mystery for us what to do. So first of all, what is unbelief? Unbelief means, it's a, it's a word meaning literally without faith. Without faith, or it means unfaithful. So the word faith means to be faithful, to uh, depend on or to be full of trust in God. It has to do with trusting God so, and, and trusting Him enough that we commit to act out or do what He says to do. That's faith. Now notice there, unbelief then, it's a position of the heart that will not trust God over a specific area. Let me say it again. Unbelief is a condition of the heart. It's something inside you. It's where you choose not to put your trust in God and His character and His Word. So when you read the Word, you choose whether to believe it and then to act on it and put it into your life and incorporate it into your life, or you choose to read it and then not act upon it because you have no sense of trust that if I do this, God will respond. Unbelief. Unbelief. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's a position in the heart. And when that position's in your heart, it will show up in your life in many different ways. So what is a spirit of unbelief? Spirit of unbelief, it's an evil spirit that comes around and oppresses people who are in a place of not believing until in the end it gets around your life and it's almost impossible to believe and receive the things of God when that spirit's on you. At the end of the meeting, I want to have an opportunity for people to be delivered from unbelief because God's wanting us to come into a new dimension of faith. And I'll share with you a couple of stories of people, ordinary people just like you, longing for God, longing for a supernatural encounter, faithful Christians, faithful believers, and yet there was a block receiving. And the block receiving was a spirit of unbelief. When that was removed, they started immediately to encounter God in a fresh and a different way. And I believe in this season that for us to rise to a new level of faith, we, to grow in our faith to another level, we must be free of unbelief in our life. We must resist it, contend to hold on to what God says. So that's the spirit of unbelief. You know, there's only two things that says that Jesus marveled at in the Bible. One was the centurion who he marveled at his great faith. And the other one, he marveled at people's unbelief. And uh, I want to show you just a few examples of it now. This, this, the first one's found in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, the spirit of unbelief. A spirit of unbelief is a demonic spirit. When it comes around your life, it prevents or hinders you from responding to God and responding to His Word. So Mark chapter 6, it said in verse 2, it says, On the Sabbath had come, He, went to te he began to teach in the synagogue. And remember, watch out for the keys. And he said, many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hand? And then they said, wait a minute, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were all offended at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He was astonished and their unbelief. Then he went around the villages in a circuit teaching. Now, I want you to catch it. This place that Jesus went was his hometown. 
this place that he went, he was expecting people to be touched. He saw the needs. He knew the needs. He came anointed in the Holy Spirit. He came willing and able to pour out a blessing upon them. And it says, yet he could do no mighty work there. And the reason was not because of him. The reason was the posture of the people. They were in a place of being offended at him. They were a place of familiarity with him. They were in a place of dishonor of him. And because of that, there was unbelief rested, not only one person, over the whole community. A whole community can come under a spirit of unbelief. It creates a hard atmosphere that when you preach, it feels like all your words are coming back at you. When you preach, it feels like nothing is going out. You feel totally rejected, very hard to respond or even want to do that. I remember being in a, in a church in Fiji, and I'd gone there, and we'd expected to have a great move of God. Instead, there was like a massive wall in the Spirit. It was nothing I did could get a breakthrough. I couldn't get anything operating. I couldn't move. There was literally no power flowing at all. Yet, they'd asked me to come in order to see the power of God. And I said to them, oh, well, uh, we began to pray. I went home to my room. I felt incredibly rejected. I just wanted to get in a plane and go home, to tell the truth. I was just literally done. I was, uh, no energy. I'd felt, and I felt this massive rejection in the spirit. In other words, what I had been speaking and preaching to build faith that they might come into miracles had been rejected by something. And uh, this, was, this was caused by a religious spirit and a spirit of unbelief sitting over the people. The whole congregation were under the Spirit. In fact, they were so much under the Spirit that all the students I'd trained in the Bible school, the moment they walked into the meeting, they sat down and they folded on me. That was my ministry team, and they folded when they felt the atmosphere in there. They just could not. They were so familiar with the religious atmosphere of unbelief that when they came into it, they just crashed and folded again. So they were fine in the Bible school. We got them out of the Bible school and put them in the real world, real life. They didn't have in them what was needed to overcome it. So I had one pastor from Auckland with me. I said, listen, we need to get into prayer or we're done. We've got another meeting to do tomorrow night and I don't want to be there. So we need God to come. So we began to pray and contend to break the spirit of unbelief and to break the religious spirit off that church. And uh, anyway, I got up in the morning. I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to the students. I'm not going to let this go. I'm not going to let go that when the pressure of that spirit came on them, they folded. And uh, so we went to the, uh, I went into the, into the Bible school and I said, listen, this first session, we're going to have a discussion time. I want to answer questions for you. Anyone got a question? The first one up, can you tell us about the spirit, a religious spirit and unbelief? I said, oh, yes, I'm going to tell you about that. And so I began to talk to them about that. And we had confronted that spirit in prayer the night before after the meeting. Normally after a meeting and I'm drained, I'd, I'd want to go to sleep. This time we prayed because of our survival or everything depended on it. And anyway, we're in there and this is in a, in a, in a room on an open, on, on the side of a hill and the windows are open just facing out to the sea outside, beautiful area. And as I began to speak about the religious spirit and the unbelief it produces, they go together, religion and unbelief. See, what happens is people believe that Jesus did it yesterday but not today. Or Jesus will do it one day, but not today. Faith is now. So for a spirit of unbelief, people will put everything off to the future. One day God will do it. One day I'll get my breakthrough. And then they, they, they put it in the past. Oh, Jesus once did that. He's not doing it now. So I began to share with them about 
overcoming the spirit and talked about how they had folded under it and given up. They literally sat down inside. And uh, as I began to speak, then the atmosphere began to change. There was a wind came into the room, and the wind began to swirl right around the whole of that room. Now, I, I thought, oh, the wind's picked up. And my, it was so strong that I could hear it clearly, and my Bible was swishing everywhere. I had to put my hand on it to stop all the Bibles blowing and everything in it blowing away. So I had one hand on here, and I'm speaking, and I'm thinking, man, this is strange. You know, there's a wind. And then I thought, wait a minute, the wind's going around inside. Then I thought, this is a demonic manifestation. We are now in confrontation. That spirit's manifesting. And so the, the, the students then, that you could see that they were frightened. They got quite alarmed. And this wind just went round and round and round, like a, like a spinning around inside the room. And then suddenly, it went like that. It was gone. And then, it didn't stop then, because then I could hear the sound of, you know when there was a big wind and there's an iron roof and a bit of loose iron, how it bangs? I could hear it. Now, on the side of the hill, there were in the bush, there was various uh, huts, and they all had uh, iron roofs. They're pretty cheap buildings, but they had an iron, iron roof. And I could hear, black, 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 crash. And it was obviously the wind had torn a piece of iron off. And then, flap, 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 crash. And another one had come. Then, flap, 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 crash. Now, I'd said to them, if you are going to do church planting, if you're going to do evangelism, you will encounter religious spirit and the spirit of unbelief working together you will have to withstand them. Anyway, at the end of the meeting, we said, let's go down and see what happened. And at that stage, I still thought it was the wind. And uh, I, I hadn't realized the significance of all that was happening. I went down there. We went there. The only hut that had been damaged had all its roof ripped off. All the iron was on the ground. And it looked like everything inside had been spun inside a washing machine. And what hut was that? It was the church planting evangelism hut. The students freaked out. They all came back up, they got on their knees, and this is what they did. They repented of unbelief and repented of resisting the Holy Spirit. That night when we back to the church, it was like, this can't be the same church. The power of God fell, there were miracles, there were healings, people were filled with the Spirit. They were, last thing I saw, the pastor's wife were rolling around laughing on the floor. Just a tremendous outpouring. Now here's the thing, a spirit of unbelief sat over a whole congregation. So that's a, a very, very clear. Just like in Jesus' day, and it said it hindered him, he could do no mighty work. And so what he did was he went around teaching. So there's one example. Here's another example found in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And uh, there's a story there of a father who has a child who needs, desperately needs deliverance. And he brings them to the disciples, and they can't cast the child out. And uh, Jesus, in verse 18, rebuked the demon that came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, remember, they've been doing deliverance. They've been praying for healing, so on and so forth. And he said, look what Jesus said. Now, initially, when you look at the story, you think it's all about the child who has the demon that needs to be healed. But actually, the core of the story is about the disciples and why they could not minister the supernatural. Jesus said, because of your unbelief. When you went to pray, you looked at the circumstances, you looked at how difficult it was, and you were overwhelmed by the mountain of what you could see. There was not faith in your heart. There was unbelief. So he put it down very clearly, unbelief. And he said, notice here, in verse 21, he said, or verse, he said 
Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move, and go from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind goes out only by prayer and by fasting. Wow, there's one example. Here's another one. Here's another example. See, they're they're, they're there if you care to look for them. Here's an interesting one that you may not have noticed. And this is found in in Mark chapter 8 and verse 24. Mark 8 and verse 24. And this is the story of a blind man. A blind man. Verse 22, they came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Why did Jesus take the man out of the town? And then when he prayed for him, he prayed and lay hands on him and he prayed and he said, how's it going now? You always ask if you prayed, what changes taken place? He said, I see men like trees. And so he prayed again the second time and then the miracle manifested. So what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with a spirit of unbelief sitting over a town so deep that Jesus took the man out of that area in order to be free of its influence so he could do a miracle of the blind seeing. Notice he had to even do it, pray twice to get the miracle because the first time, no breakthrough. Spirit of unbelief over a whole town. How about that? How about that? Man, there's there's so many. And then we saw the story in Mark 5, how Jesus put everyone out of the room because of the unbelief around their lives would have hindered the resurrection miracle. So you see very clearly, if you look at it, the spirit of unbelief operates in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It stopped them entering the promises of God. It's in the New Testament. It hindered the flow of Jesus' supernatural ministry. It is a real spirit, and it really works. So how would you recognize it if a spirit of unbelief is operating around your life or someone else's life? That's a good question, isn't it? And then how does it, who, who is it that gets attacked by these demons? And then how do we get free? Okay, so let me give you uh, some signs or some symptoms uh, how you can tell if a person's got unbelief. Now, if a person's got a spirit of unbelief operating around their mind, remember a spirit will fill you with its thoughts, its mindset, its way. So spirit of unbelief surrounds you with doubt and uncertainty and clouds your ability to see the supernatural. So here are the things. Let me give you a few of them. And I know you'll recognize some of these. But let me tell you this, that when you hear these, these tell you a spirit of unbelief is on the person's life. Okay, here they are. Number one, people deny the existence of the supernatural. So in the Western culture, which is very, very uh, oriented towards uh, Western education, it has no spiritual worldview. It only has a secular, natural, scientific-based worldview. In this culture, the Western culture, more specifically white culture, very strong about denial of the supernatural. In various other cultures, of course, the existence of the supernatural is just normal. So people deny the existence of the supernatural. Secondly, people deny everything they can't see and explain. When you find someone and they deny anything, they can't explain it or see it or figure it out, you know a spirit of unbelief is operating. Here's a, here's a third thing. People become blinded to who Jesus is. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, The God of this world has blinded the mind of those who don't believe so they can't receive the gospel. Have you ever shared with someone and witnessed to them, and it's like 
an intelligent person becomes very dim-witted. They can't, it's like they can't grasp it. It's like, I don't get it. That is a spirit of unbelief around their mind, blinding the mind. That's why if you want people to get saved, you need to intercede, you need to pray, you need to break unbelief off their life and pray for the grace of God, the light of the gospel, shine into their life. That's why we don't see results. We try to witness to people who are bound by spirits rather than being in prayer than witnessing. Okay, now here's another one. So you've all had that experience, I'm sure, trying to share the faith. Uh, people unable to receive a miracle. People unable to receive. So they come up. They're hungry, they want a miracle, but they can't receive it because somehow in their heart there is not faith to receive. They come up hoping to be changed. They come up uh, wondering if they'll be changed. I've seen many people come up on an altar call and you ask them, what do you come here for? And they say, oh, well, whatever God wants. Now, you know there's no faith. Unbelief is around their life and you know they'll walk away with nothing. That's what happens. Unless God supernaturally intervenes through the gifting or anointing that's on the minister through a prophetic word, word of knowledge, or some other thing like that. But I've seen many come up that way. I'll give you an example of that in a moment because I want to show you why that happens. Uh, here's another one. People are unable to experience the blessing of God. People are unable to experience blessing. I've had people tithe. And then they say, oh, well, I'm just discouraged and disheartened about tithing. doesn't work. I say, why doesn't it work? They say, well, I never got anything out of it. I tithe, but God never helped me out. And you see then right there at the core of it, there is no faith, there's no belief. It's been done out of a trade thing. I give you this, then you give me that. That's, that's not faith, that's not honor, that's not loving God. That's trying to trade like the world does, trying to make a duck a Jacob. If you do this, then I'll do that. You bless me, and I'll give you this. Now listen, God wants to abound in blessing, but it requires faith in Him and His Word. Faith means I trust Him. I guess His character's good. He got no bad things to give. God, every good gift comes from God. God wants to bless me. I love Him. I want to honor Him with my giving. See, it's a different spirit. A spirit of faith versus a spirit of unbelief. And uh, we have to move in that spirit of faith, not unbelief. Here's another example. When people continually complain and criticize. You find someone complaining and criticizing, I'll tell you someone who's surrounded with unbelief. You know why they complain and criticize? They can't see how God could do anything good about the situation. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 2, what did they do when the spirit of unbelief came over them? They cried, they wept, they murmured, they complained, they criticized, they blamed Moses, they were angry at him, and they got wrong thinking about God. Why? What was going on? They went through distress. They went through difficulty. So when people, you hear people complaining, you hear people murmuring, what they're saying is God can't be trusted. God can't be trusted to work this thing for good. The Bible says all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. If I'm called according to His purposes, whatever I face, God can use it for good. Even though it looks bad, even though it feels bad, even though I go through pain, at the end of it, God turns it around and it gets me where He wants me to get. It is not something to destroy me. It's an opportunity for growing and demonstrating faith. You have to make that decision every time. Something comes up, step up in your faith. Don't go, oh, no, and then roll over and fall down and cry. No, please, please, someone, please pray for me. Listen, that's not faith. That's unbelief operating there. Here's another way it shows up. People panic or get anxious or stressed out when they receive some bad news. People start to panic. They get stressed out. They become anxious. They become depressed when some bad things happen. How many know bad things happen all the time? How many know that if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean no bad things are going to happen? In fact, actually, some other bad things happen. 
because you're trying to be honest, because you're trying to walk right. People turn away from you. People reject. All kinds of stuff happens just because you're a Christian. Listen, we're not here to have a sweet life. We're here to show an overcoming life. An overcoming. You overcome by faith. We overcome. For greater is he in me than he that's in the world. By faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. You see? So don't complain you got some bad thing. Turn, mate, turn that lemon into lemonade. Find some way to turn it around. Believe God and see where it goes. See what happens. See how God turns it around. That's what we're meant to do. Every, every hindrance. You see, when the people walked out of Egypt, they were all happy and laughing and dancing, clapping. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's Sunday. We're having a great and glorious time. Then Monday, they run out of water. Tuesday, out of water. Wednesday, out of water. They're complaining. What happened to the joy on Sunday? It's gone by Wednesday. Now we're complaining. Because of no faith in the heart. Listen, what they, what they saw, no water. What they felt was thirsty. What they looked at is dry. And there's no water anywhere. There's no hope of any water. We can't see any water. But round the corner, there were 12 wells and, and 70 palm trees. God saw what was ahead. And the water they couldn't drink, God had already provided a way to fix it. Unless you look to God, you'll never find His way to fix the bitter thing and make it sweet. Unless you look to God, you'll never see He's got a provision for you around the corner. You'll quit and give up in the wilderness. And that's what they did. They said, ah, life was better in the world before we came here. This is getting too hard for me. They don't see they're in the journey of growth, the Holy Ghost school of ministry. People become independent, self-sufficient. That tells you the spirit of unbelief. People live in the victim mindset, powerless and blaming everyone else. The spirit of unbelief sits on their life. How many people you met like that? Uh, not my fault. Uh, someone else. They did it. Someone fixed it. All that kind of mindset is encompassed and shrouded with the spirit of unbelief. So, who is it the spirit of unbelief attacks? Who is it the demon attaches to? Let me give you a few examples of it, then we'll give you the keys. Now, I've already given you enough information for you to have almost all of the keys you need. We'll see if you picked it up on the way, okay? All right then, so who, do, who, do, who, who gets attacked by the spirit of unbelief? Oh, well, a whole heap of people. Here, we'll give you a few of them. And these are ones I've come across. I've already shared one testimony. Uh, people who are in a religious environment, people in a religious environment where there's no reality of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit and His power and His gifts are not welcome, where there's a culture that is against the supernatural. In that environment, unbelief rests like a heavy cloak. And when a miracle happens, don't expect everyone to be happy. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11, in John chapter 12, the Pharisees, full of the spirit of unbelief, then their only way to cope with it, we need to kill Lazarus and kill Jesus also. Let's get rid of what reminds us of something we don't want to look at and to face. And that's what many people have experienced. They come into experiences of the supernatural. They get rejected out of a church. I can remember when there's a sign at a camp down the road saying, do not speak in tongues. Forbidden. They got it down now, but it was up for quite a while, and they really believed it. See, resisting the Holy Spirit. And so a religious environment is full of a spirit of unbelief. You talk about miracles, it's people shake their head and they can't even get it. But those who are hungry will press in for it. Here's the second thing. Are people who trust in the intellect and reasoning and education. Now, we all need education. We need to improve our knowledge, improve our skills, improve. We need to give ourselves to doing the very best we can in every area of life. However, don't trust in it because the education system replaces faith with reasoning. When I went through university, I studied in physics and maths. 
I graduated my uh, uh, double degree in maths and physics, then went through to masters in physics. My biggest challenge as a believer was the reasoning processes of the mind, which literally reasoned away all the supernatural. Uh, it took a supernatural encounter of God because of praying people, and that brought me into it. And then I can remember clearly the struggle, praying in tongues and feeling the joy, and my mind arguing, 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 because it had been trained to do that. In the scientific way, we've been trained to look for the little thing that's wrong, look for the thing that doesn't fit, look for the inconsistency, and then dismiss the whole thing. So I had to do a reshaping. My whole internal thinking had to be adjusted in order to move into the supernatural. I had to realize your mind has a place to work with God, but it can never be over the Spirit. You must let the Spirit lead you, not your mind. You still use your mind, but you use it differently. And uh, so, so that's a huge problem. And, and I know for many people who've grown up in a background of education, particularly higher education, they struggle so God's way to deal with me on that was simple. He took me out of the university environment, took me in a church environment where there wasn't a single person with any qualification. They were all humble folk. And I said, you got school C, you must be brainy. You know? And I thought, whoa, whoa, what's this? And some people couldn't read. I remember one of the elders in the church couldn't read, except he could read the Bible. I said, what? how does that work? He could not read a thing. But he said, God, I want to read your word. And God enabled him to read the word. Every time he picked up the Bible, he could read it. And he could read it out loud, but he couldn't read anything else. Unbelievable. Amazing. And I learned then, actually, you need to humble yourself from all that intellectual pride and just be hungry to learn. And to be taught and to be teachable and to let the word come into your heart and mouth. And I learned because I had a good attitude of learning, teachable attitude, after I repented of the pride, of course. That was a bit there, though. You've got to deal with that first of all. Here's another, here's another thing now. This comes out of personal experience. People who've suffered rejection or, or, or people who've suffered rejection or abandonment frequently struggle also with the spirit of unbelief. I, I came to this conclusion myself, and I had to wrestle against this. There was a season in my life after I came to, to Hastings where I realized I needed to confront spirits that had oppressed me all my life. And I identify what they were by the thoughts and the emotions I was experiencing consistently through my life. And I realized one was rejection, one was self-rejection, one was the fear of being rejected, and then self-pity. And then the last one was the spirit of unbelief. And the Lord said to me, he said, when people are deeply rejected, they come to believe they're not acceptable, they're not good enough. And when they come to me, they can't believe that I will bless them. They know I will bless everyone. They know I will bless people everywhere. But the problem is, I don't believe he will bless me. Now, let me give you an example. I had to contend to break its power of my life and choose to believe the Word of God. I'll share more on that tonight. But let me give you an example. I was coming out of a meeting. I was in a meeting, just done a whole, prayed for hundreds of people. I'm tired out. And I'm on the way walking down the aisle. And a lady jumps in front of me and said, Oh, pastor, pastor, pray for me. I said, what would you like prayer for? She said, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. She said, uh, she said and, uh, I've never been slain in the Spirit. And, and then she said, and I've had all these mighty men of God pray for me, and I've never come into the baptism in the Spirit. I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh. That's really, I could feel unbelief. And I literally stepped back. and I thought, oh, no, how can I get out of this? 
There's no way. She's in the middle of the way. I have to push past and ignore her or I have to do something. And I thought immediately, if I pray for her, I will experience the same failure all the other mighty men of God have experienced. I will join the trail of failures. So I'm hesitant to pray. I don't want to pray and have a failure, you know. I'm just thinking what to do. And then I said, Lord, you just got to help me now. I'm tired. I want to go home. What do I do? And he said to me this, she has suffered deep rejection and a spirit of unbelief is around her life. It's not because she doesn't want it. She's blocked from receiving it. And I said to her, and this is how I dealt with it, I said, well, firstly, I want to really honor you because you've been prayed for by so many men of God and never have you come into what you're receiving, what you're asking for. I said, that must be incredibly disappointing. And yet here you are, you've come again. That tells me you have hunger and you have faith and you are persevering. You're believing God will give you the breakthrough with someone. And I said, so this is, this is a situation. God wants you to have this and has provided it. You want to have it and are hungry to receive it, but you're not receiving. That tells us there's a block in receiving. So I said, here's what the block is. I said, were you in your life deeply rejected in your past? She said, I am. I have been. I said, a spirit of unbelief is attached around you. You need to forgive the people who rejected you and renounce the spirit of unbelief. Then I'll minister to you. So I led her in a simple prayer, just said, please follow me. She prayed the prayer. She forgave the people who had rejected and hurt her, and she renounced the spirit of unbelief. I said, now I'll show you how to receive. I said, I want you to put your hand over your heart like this. And she, she did that. And, uh, and I said, now this is what's happened. You have closed your heart to receiving because of the fear of being hurt again. So this is what your heart has been like. So put your hands over your heart like that. And she did that. And I said, now this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I want you to follow it. At the end of the prayer, I want you to do three actions because faith always must do something. So I said, here's what you do. When we come to the end of the prayer, I'll pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to open your arms like that. And as you do it, open every part of your innermost being like you're opening the doors of your heart. And I said, at the same time, take a deep breath in to receive what God is giving you and then pray in tongues. You have to pray. You have to speak. Okay? So she said, fine. So she went like that. I, I led her at the end of the prayer. She said, now open your arms and receive. And she opened her arms like that. And, and then suddenly, bang, the power of God hit her. She was on the ground before I could stop her falling. And she was just praying in tongues. I was able to go home. Thank you. Jesus, Jesus, solved, Jesus answered both of our prayers at the same time. So there it is. See? So spirit of unbelief can come around people who deeply reject. That's why some people can't receive. And each time nothing happens, their rejection tells them, oh, oh, because God doesn't really like you. And the rejection is reinforced to become angry with God. Okay, get in the, here's the last couple, and then we should give you the keys out. You probably already got those now. Here's the last couple, and uh, very simply this, the most obvious one. Now, people have suffered a trauma. People have suffered traumatic experiences usually as a result of that, feel a great sense of injustice. God, why didn't you stop that happening to me? And around that reasoning of why God comes a spirit of unbelief that hinders them receiving. So usually, again, in those situations, people have got to let go and forgive the people who hurt them and then renounce the agreement with unbelief and they can easily be set free. Here's the next one. People who desire the approval of men, people who desire the approval of men. In John 5, 44, he said, Jesus said, how can you believe 
who seek the honor that or receive the honor that comes from men and don't seek the honor that comes from God alone. In other words, if you are constantly trying to affirm your identity through people, it will compromise your ability to believe. You'll end up with a spirit of unbelief sitting around your life. How about that? Here's the, here's the last one then. People who become familiar or offended at God. In Mark 6 and verse 2 and 5, we saw they were offended. And here's the last one, Hebrews 4 to people who receive false doctrine. Now get this. I was in a meeting, a conference in America, and um, I was keen to go to hear the other speaker. I was really keen. He's a famous guy from overseas. I wanted to be there. And one of the guys that was with us that was helping us, this is what he said to us. He said, now listen. He said, my son is coming four hours because he wants to get a word from God. He wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, hey, he's four hours. How can I say no? And I said, sure, I'll see him. And so anyway, we saw him and I realized, oh, this is going to take a while. So we took a while and he'd gone through traumas and various things. But here's the problem. I found the problem. I said, were you involved in a church that preached against the Holy Ghost? He said, I was. I said, you have a spirit of unbelief that stops you receiving. Here's a simple way to get free. Very, very simple. This is what you do. Very simple. You, you renounce the false teaching and you renounce the spirit of antichrist and unbelief that come with it and then receive the Holy Ghost. So I just led him. He prayed that prayer. I showed him how to pray to open up and receive. Boom! Filled with the Holy Ghost. Now he's witnessing everywhere, all over the place. Can't stop him. He's bold and on fire. So there it is. I wonder how many picked up the keys. How many of you picked up the keys to overcoming the spirit of unbelief? Number one, repentance. You've got to change your mind and reject that unbelief around your life. It's a conscious decision to let go, to, re to speak it off your life, to reject unbelief. Secondly, prayer and fasting. We saw that by prayer and fasting, the disciples were, would have come into a realm of faith. Prayer and fasting deeply help you, and we'll teach on that at another time. Uh, thirdly, meditating on the Word. When you meditate on the Word of God, faith comes in your heart to believe God. Faith rises through meditating in the Word. Remember when Jesus encountered the spirit of unbelief, he found the people open and prayed for them, and then he went teaching the Word of God to lift their faith. Uh, uh, fourth thing, speak and declare the Word of God. You need to learn to speak and pray God's Word. That's how faith manifests. It manifests by speaking. It manifests by praying. I believe today God is with me. The Spirit of God is upon my life. As I come in and go out, I walk in the blessing of God. Favor is upon my life. See, faith speaks like that. Faith wraps itself around God's Word and speaks it out and then acts on it. Here's the last, here's the last couple. And here it is. You need to act on the Word of God. You need to do it. Faith without works is dead. James 2.17. We need to do something. That's why after we prayed for people, you say, move your arm, move your arm. I mean, one lady, and I prayed for her, and I said, is, it, how you, is there a change? Move your arm. She said, no, no, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. Boom, it's gone. So even as she was moving her arm, it all changed. And finally, we need to resist. We need to resist demonic spirit of unbelief. I took a stand against it. I prayed against it for about three weeks, and it moved from my life, and my whole ministry went to another level. Church, time to break out of unbelief. How many recognize some of the symptoms on your life? How many recognize whatever's happened in your life, that thing has sat around you, hard for you to believe? You had disappointments, setbacks, believe God one time and nothing happened immediately and you draw back. That doesn't please God. Let's press forward. There's always an answer and a way through. I want you to stand right now. We're going to give you an opportunity for people to break out of unbelief. Unbelief about your finances. Unbelief about your marriage. Unbelief about your children. Unbelief about your personal need for breakthrough, the area you need to break into your life, unbelief about your future, unbelief about your work and your job. Listen, that spirit stops you seeing the possibilities. 
That spirit gets you negative, gets you down, fills you with uh, hopelessness. Today, the Spirit of God wants to set people free. Come on, can we do that? Why don't you make your way to the front as we exalt Jesus together? We're going to shout against that spirit of unbelief. We want to break it off our lives, break it off the congregation. We want to move into a new dimension of faith.